What's up, Stats Pack? Oh, everybody's doing well. We're gonna be talking. About, we're gonna start off with uh, F one and then roll some basketball and then uh, finish off with some football. Okay, first off, Total Wolf fires George Russell's a warning ahead of becoming Lewis Hamilton's teammate. So the Mercedes boss has a stark warning for both Lewis Hamilton and George Russell next season. Mercedes boss Wolf has reiterated his stance on George Russell and Lewis Hamilton's arrival next season. Reinforcing the idea that it's not one driver is the star of the show and upcoming partnership. Russell will replace Valtteri Bottas at this team. Uh, his five-year tenure comes to an end of the season after months of speculation surrounding the pair. Yeah, so that's one thing. So George Russell's just stepping in for Valtteri Bottas. Bottas, I mean, even though he was reluctant, he was happy. I mean, not happy, but he was uh, agreeable to be play second fiddle to Lewis Hamilton. Is George Russell going to be that same way? Uh, highly doubt it. He is hyper-competitive. Um, but he's getting paid a lot, so we'll see what happens. So the much-anticipated all-British lineup is catch Bay fans. Many way in the paddock, however, the move has come with a stark warning to both drivers, with Wolf Keen to put a stop to any nasty rivals repeating itself. Bottas joined the team at the start of 2017. The Mercedes was somewhat rocky after Hamilton and Rico Rosberg entered team battles. Hamilton and Rosberg nearly had uh, had a fiery four-year alongside each other. The British-based German team is one of the most intensive rivals in recent time. Yet after beating Hamilton at the fourth, ta- uh, fourth time, asking at the end of the 2016 season, Abu Dhabi Rosberg almost immediately quit F1 altogether. Now in charge of direction for Mercedes, Russell, who's 13 years the junior of Hamilton, Boris alongside the seven-time world champion in the biggest challenge of his career so far, and Wolf was keen to set the boundaries early. Okay. So Porsche, thinking about coming into F1, set conditions for a return. Porsche have outlined some key conditions that they need to ensure are in place before committing to a return to Formula One. Porsche have outlined conditions that they must be in place before they finalize a return to Formula One. Um, German marquee interests are obviously uh, popping up. In 2025, Audi and Porsche names have been linked to joining F1. A Porsche sporting director, Thomas Ladenbosch, explained that Porsche will no longer be able to resist. The value of Formula One in terms of marketing and PR is undisputed. Oh, that's an understatement. Lautenbach said the topic is being looked at seriously with no decision being made either way. As Formula One continues to plot out its own future and regulations, Lautenbach said the direction it's going to take is making things easier for Porsche to commit. Porsche were last involved in F1 1991 as an engineer supplier for footwork prior to that the greatest success came in f1 as a engine supplier of the mclaren in the 80s which were branded as tag power porsche until 1987 winning 24 races between 84 and 87 the three key areas that porsche wants to clarify before they put a pen to paper with laudenberg's outline in them motorsports must remain relevant for a series production so electrification must be emphasized the more in formula one the introduction of a budget cap in Formula 1 this season has also seen positive by Porsche as they're keen to apply for the drivers as well. Lastly, Porsche wants uh, like a cap on paying the drivers. Lastly, Porsche wants to be part of a competitive Formula 1 field. Given that there are only two teams currently fighting for the World Championship, Porsche are pushing for regulations that will allow more outfits to join right at the front. Well, I mean, Porsche, you guys haven't been in there in a while, and you're like setting you, you're setting all these like parameters. I mean, good luck getting in. There's a lot of other teams that are very much happy where they're at. So, I mean, good luck, good luck getting everything, but all right. 
Russell Westbrook talks about Lakers having multiple guys who could score, uh, go on scoring spurts, and win after the Rockets. I mean, it's the Rockets, guys. Come on. For the first time this season, all of Los Angeles against Bay 3 went off in the same game. James Davis and Westbrook combined for 84 points, led their team to a narrow victory over the Houston Rockets. After the game, Westbrook had a big third quarter, followed by James having a big fourth quarter, talked about the luxury of having multiple guys could score in spurts to help a game out. Uh, just varies. A 32-year-old point guard said in postgame, sometimes it may be me, AD, Braun, or whatever. It may be the beauties that's our team and able to go, uh, able to have AD and Braun over the floor. You don't have to do everything. If them guys are going, then we're feeding them whoever's going. We're, whoever's got a better rhythm, we're just going to play whatever that may be. We'll see about that one. Um, you know, uh, okay, on to the Celtics. Boston Celtics, this is from Hardwood Houdini, <clears throat> excuse me, four glaring weaknesses that the season must fix to save their season. Let's see what they have to say here. Weakness number one, defensive switching. When it comes to the team's insanity, oh, the term insanity, a popular example of people like using is a famous quote that definition is going to be the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. If this were the actual D lineation of the term then by all means this coaching staff is clinically insane with their constant calls for the C's defense to switch everything through seven games not only can we confidently say that this is not a good scheme run but uh, for the team but frankly just flat out not working by going with this method constantly boston op- optionally pushing themselves into a mismatch scenarios one where we see guys like well thirds out on the perimeter coming Fred Van Fleet. That is going to be a loss. And Dennis Schroeder being backed down by the pay by Montrose Harrell, another loss. Uh, both these scenarios actually happen are just a few examples of switching method negatively impacting the Shamrocks. All right, next, offensive production off the pine. Over the past several years, one of the most consistent weakness found within the rotation for the Celtics could have been their bench unit, specifically when it was their their offense projection. So since 2019-20, the season bench is ranked 29th and 28th. Just trash, trash, trash. Uh, respectively, even points per game, also finishing 20th and 23rd ranked off uh, ranked offense during this time span. But uh, by via by throwing games like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Ness with seven minutes per game, simply not enough to get them going. Yep. Next, starting strong, finishing strong. The Boston Celtics are a team that has suffered something that we like to call two, two half syndrome, essentially, which means that the team cannot seem to have the same amount of success in one half of the other. They managed it to have in the other. Be it strong in the first quarters that are followed up by late game collapse. Monday's giving the Chicago Rams an abysmal start of the needs that be countered with strong play throughout the third and fourth quarters. A strong start and a strong finish has yet to be seen. All right. Second chance points, despite the fact that Boston Celtics seem to be dead set on returning the double big lineups, they find themselves struggling when it comes to second chance possessions, both in regard to scoring as well as letting scores up by these means. Thus, far in the year, the Shamrocks have found themselves ranking 20th in the association in second chance points and 21st in letting the opponents get second chance points. All right. A buy low Jalen Smith trade could they could seize could pursue, so... Though we may only be seven games in the 2021-22 season, there's no question the Boston Celtics have underperformed undoubtedly disappointing, especially considering the fact that they envisioned this year to be a bounce-back campaign after their abysmal 2020, uh, 2021 turnout. Now there's still plenty of time for the franchise to get back on track and turn have themselves overall success this season in the long run. 
It's up to the C's decision makers to guide them in the right decision. So this past offseason, Brad Stevens and company were certainly a busy bunch when it came to hunt for rotational upgrades and did in fact manage to bring some quality additions, obviously. Uh, recently, it was reported that uh, the Phoenix Suns opted to decline third year at, for their 2020 first-round pick, Jalen Smith, which in turn is slated to hit the unrestricted free agent in 2022. Obviously, the big man is yet to show general matters James Jones that he's worth holding on the full duration of the rookie scale contract value about 19.3 million through four years initially signing yeah they need a big man like an athletic young big man desperately desperately uh of course i think everybody heard dolphins are not did not make that trade for uh deshaun watson they're probably asking too much um really touch on really quick the college playoffs uh, those teams who are in control of their own fate, Georgia, obviously, in one seat, Alabama, Michigan State, uh, teams on the brink, Oregon, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Michigan, and Cincinnati. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to the Stetsbees podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. Take care and hear from you soon. Bye.